Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Uh, incredibly, the second week that we are in our brand new studio, uh, huge amount of money. get a view, too. But uh, it'd be a good day for a car drive, by the way, taking uh, maybe some mountain roads, a little bit of an excursion. Uh, so welcome back to the show. I am Nick Miles. Uh, Jen uh, is here. Oh, wait. I laminated uh, the beginning of the show. Locally created, nationally celebrated. It's on a piece of paper that I read out every week. And so it's laminated now so I can spill coffee on it. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on your smart speaker. This is our auto expert. And I, of course, am your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jennifer. Do you like that new title I gave you? I don't know. Don't you? I noticed you have oil on your hands. Yeah, I do. What What have you been doing, like, car stuff? Just building hydraulic hoses and brake hoses. Oh. Don't ever get into a bar fight with Jen. She'll wrap a <laughs> hydraulic hose around your neck and take care of you. Uh, and by the way, if you want to listen to this show and any of the previous shows, you can go to our website, ourautoexpert.com. Are your headphones not working? Is that the problem? All right. I think my mic's yeah, you are. You sound fabulous. Oh, okay. It's just your headphones that uh, aren't working. We'll work it out. That's why we have 25 engineers in the back. They'll, yeah. they'll be running in here in a second to, to sort it out. What's on today's show? Absolutely packed show for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about this new Lincoln Navigator. Uh, they have three striking new trim levels in the Lincoln Navigator. Uh, Katie Boland going to join us uh, to talk about the, the new trim levels. Uh, they've gone with this very monochromatic theme, and we'll be finding out about that. Uh, in the studio, going to join us for the show, uh, Megan is here. She does a lot of our social media along with Jen. But Megan's, uh, we're going to talk about getting a new car for her son, Noah. Buying a car for your teenager, pain in the backside. <laughs> um, because, you, you know, honestly, parents worry about it too much. Jeff Zerchmied is going to be here. We're going to be talking to him. Jeff also has a teenager that he got into a car. Uh, I really want to get into this now, but we have to save it because uh, teenagers always want the most impractical uh, performance-laden cars so they can show off to all their friends. And as a parent, you want to put them in a Sherman tank. And then you have to find something that... Uh, it, it's much harder with boys, I assure you, than it was with girls. But uh, you'll have to find some, some middle ground and some sensible child as well. Uh, the X-T6 is Cadillac's new third-row SUV. Joel Hoffman going to join us in the show to talk about this new offering. Does it take away from the Cadillac Escalade or does it help the Escalade in its sales? It's close to it in size and in, in its third row capacity. However, uh, it's much smaller and much more nimble. Where is it built? What does it do? What features does it have? Is it a real Cadillac? We'll find out about that. We'll be talking with Jeff about the new Subaru Outback. Interestingly enough, uh, Subaru have done one thing that they've always been lame at, and that is uh, engineering and, well, not engineering, but tech. Uh, they've loaded this new Outback with some outstanding tech. Uh, the tech in Subarus, I can go back to the BRZ, it was sort of painful. Uh, with a tech in that car but this time they put a huge screen in it and it has everything else it is the car of ski bums everywhere uh, jeff will be giving us an inside and outside of that uh, plus the q3 which is out his new little baby vehicle I, I was on the drive with jeff in nashville and we drove the audi q3 for the first i'd say free the audi q3 it's not 
three. It's three. The Audi new Q3. Uh, this is their baby SUV. But interestingly enough, I noticed a lot of rhetoric around the car was about lifestyle and those type of things, which always tells me that the car is not good. When the car company is throwing a whole bunch of look at look look over here, look at the pretty colors. Look, this person makes craft handed wallets, and this person makes donuts. Don't look at the car. So we'll be finding out from Jeff's Jeff's opinion of whether he thinks it's really cool. Plus Tesla. Are they finally in China? Does this mean an American car company, another American car company embedded in China? Uh, at the end of the show, Anton Wallman will be joining us to talk about the electric car boom, how that's going crazy. Also about Tesla's new adventures in China. We'll get the inside story from a man that knows all the background and the inside information about that. So if it has a throttle, we'll talk about it. You can catch up with us, uh, our previous shows, at our website, ourautoexpert.com. And also you can hear uh, past shows there. You can see our videos, read inside car stories, and uh, check out your next ride. You find it at ourautoexpert.com. All right. In the last three minutes, let's start this conversation. We might have to pick it up later. So welcome to the show, uh, Jeff and Megan. Uh, Thanks, Nick. You have had... Megan's about to buy her son Noah a new car. Jeff bought his daughter a car. And Jen has a son who is uh, much older. Mm -hmm. When I say much older, late 20s? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is he the second half of his 20s? What did you buy Stephen for his first car? His very first car was a Camaro. Yeah, you're a good mom. <laughs> you're a good mom. He really wanted a, a you know, you. well, because I have one, and he really wanted a car like mine, but I'm not going to give him a, you know, You didn't engine. give him a V. What you're telling me is you didn't give him a V8, did you? Correct. You gave him a V6. I did. So uh, he had the look, but just not as much power All right. for a first and car. And he's still alive, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, so, now he has a Dodge Challenger. Yeah, well, now he went. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, Jeff? What did you get, Katie? For new well, well, originally we uh, we bought her an older Subaru Impreza to learn on, and then once she was out of college, we uh, got her a Chevy Sonic, which she picked out herself. Oh, okay, that's good. So she's, she's, she's remarkably sensible. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. And that, that's one thing about awesome. uh, girls; they are they do tend to be much more remarkably sensible. Maybe. Megan. What does Noah want? <laughs> so, first of all, Noah's going to college next year, his first year of college. He's going uh, to, which? where is he going to college? Oregon State. Oregon State. Uh, and he wants what? He wants a 2015 Mustang. Yeah. 2017 Mustang. V8 or V6 or four-cylinder? The four-cylinder. It's the EcoBoost. The EcoBoost. That, that's not... As horrible a decision as it could be. Right, but I pay his insurance, and that means that my insurance will triple because when you put a teenager in a sports car, you you pay through the nose for it. Yeah, all right. Uh, so, uh, and I'm telling you to put him in uh, a Jeep Wrangler because yes. I think that's a great first car for a kid. It's pretty indestructible. Uh, a two door means that he's not going to his friends are going to be uh, it's going to be a pain in the backside to climb into the back. Uh, uh, it's gas mileage is not that great. So he won't be taking long road trips because it'll be too expensive. You've got to think about tailoring all of these things for your kid. Uh, we'll get into this conversation later in the show. I will tell you, though, um, don't make the mistake of buying him something that he, you know, he's going to call you and say, no, I wrecked the car. Uh, He'll do that anyway. (laughs) Coming up, we're going to be talking to Katie Bolan from Lincoln about the brand new Navigator. 
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I am a fan of large, sexy SUVs, especially if they have big motors in them. Uh, the trend is changing. I actually uh, own a large luxury SUV, and I just, um, I'm having the wheels and all the trims sprayed matte black. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I'm excited to see that. And interestingly enough, uh, copying me is also uh, Lincoln. Uh, I think, well, when I say they're copying me, um, I hope, hopefully they're copying me. Uh, <laughs> on, on the phone with us, uh, is joining us, is Katie Bolin from Lincoln. Uh, Katie, I'm pressing the button. I don't know if you can hear me. Are you there, Katie? I, I'm definitely here. Thanks for speaking with me today, Nick. Uh, no problem. So Navigator has uh, obviously been Lincoln's champion large SUV for many years, but you guys are changing it up and you're getting all like uh, cool and rap song on us, right? You are 100% correct. Uh, for the 20 model year, we're bringing out a line called the Monochromatic and it is absolutely stunning. It's going to be coming in three colors, uh, infinite black, ceramic pearl, and uh, pristine white. And you were mentioning your tires a few months ago. This beauty has got some uh, bold black 22s. I love the idea of having 22s on a car. Um, what, what was stimulating this? Why did you guys decide to do this new? And there's three different packages. Is, am I right in saying there's three striking new monochromatic themes that you're doing? That is correct. There are three different colors within the entire palette. Uh, what we wanted to do was take hold of that simple, clean color trend that you've seen very popular in things going on with fashion and home decor and photography and be able to really accentuate the beauty and the power of the Navigator. So what they did is they, they took this beautiful vehicle as it was already and they adjusted the exterior of the vehicle to be in those very clean and crisp modes. So when you're looking at the vehicle, the front grille is the same color as the body, the front fascia, the skull caps on the mirrors, the spears, everything. And then they've got those 22s. It really draws attention to the vehicle. And it also helps the fact that the uh, the new wheels also look almost like jet turbines as well. Mm -hmm. Those are nice. They do. Yes, they do. Um, so the the whole idea too for these vehicles is you know the Navigator has been packed with technology from the inception of the vehicle through to modern time, but you've included now the uh, the, the Copilot 360 inside the wireless charging pad, power running boards, so it's mm -hmm. kind of decked out all the way. Are uh, the shoppers in the segment of the three row SUV like the Navigator are they looking for more luxury? In a way, yes. So the reason why we're putting in the additional technology into the vehicles is we want it to be purposeful, and we want to make that daily drive for those drivers an effortless experience. So a lot of the drivers with a three-row SUV, you know, many of them have families, which is part of the reason why Copilot 360 is so important. It has blind spot detection, lane keeping system, brake controls, pedestrian detection. It's all about safety and what we can do with these vehicles. 
And one of the things that uh, is always been tough with these big vehicles, they've always been based on a truck, uh, a truck vehicle, of course, which uh, Lincoln's parent company Ford has been uh, hitting it out of the park for the last 40 plus years in the truck department. But at the same time, uh, they are harder to drive because of their size. So 360 kind of reduces that difficulty in maneuvering the vehicle, getting it in the lane, yeah. also uh, parking it as well. It gives the driver more options, whereas a lot of the other large SUVs don't give you that sort of extra safety shield. Absolutely. You've done your research. <laughs> the uh, The other thing I what I noticed about the Navigator is when I and I had one out of the fleet, not the uh, the new versions with the monochromatic theme, but the original Navigator uh, when it first was reborn a couple of years ago. And you actually have included driving modes in it. So instead of it just being in drive, reverse, park, you actually are uh, able to change some of the features and the driving dynamics of the vehicle. But you actually have a driving mode which uh, i guess the best way to to say it would be excites you right <laughs> yes <laughs> yes there is there's an excite mode there's a conserve mode there's a deep conditions mode you know so for things like deep snow deep sand you can basically tune this vehicle to your driving preference so it's not really a one size fits all because you can customize it very simply with just a turn of a button I love that idea of it. I actually didn't take it out of excite mode when I had it. I have to tell you, too. Oh, you I'm, didn't? Sure, I'm sure I sucked <laughs> the gas tank dry pretty quickly, but it was an awful lot of fun driving it in excite mode. Uh, on top of the uh, the driving performance and the fact that you can change the dynamics of the vehicle as well, the, the tech on the inside, one of the things that Lincoln has done is put a huge screen on the inside and made everything mm -hmm. sort of within reach of the driver. So unlike perhaps other SUVs, SUVs in the third row class, you have uh, made this almost like a flight, uh, you know, like it could be something like, like a jet pilot would have. And all these different controls, mm -hmm. heads, all these things are sort of within reach of the driver. Uh, are people looking for more technology when they buy a large third row luxury SUV? They're looking for pe more technology when it's as easy to use as the way we've put everything within reach of the client. And and this, of course, Navigator now is the most awarded SUV in its class, continues to impress more than 66% of sales coming from other brands. Is that one of Lincoln's mantras is to try and recruit people from other brands because uh, you're offering them more than they can get with the brands they're at? We want to be able to draw in our new clients because of what our vehicles are offering to them. We want to give them that safe, purposeful drive. We want to be able to make their driving experience a lot smoother and the beautiful vehicle. We just want more people to check it out. Let's talk about uh, some of the things that you do at Lincoln that other car companies do not do. So I noticed that Lincoln is providing uh, test drives for people where they're making it as easy to test drive their vehicles as possible. And you're sort of getting them in uh, as for some point that you did home deliveries on these vehicles. Are you still doing that? We are still doing home deliveries, yes. So you want to test drive a vehicle. How does it work? You call up the, the local dealership and they, they plot a time yeah. for you? 
Yeah, that would be it. They want to work towards what is going to be easiest for the clients. I mean, these clients are busy. They may not have the time to come to the store. So they would call their Lincoln store and say, I would love to be able to test drive this vehicle. Can we set something up? And then they would work together to find a time that would work for the client. I also love uh, some of the concierge services that Lincoln is offering. So it's not just about a premium luxury car. It's also about a premium luxury experience. If you need to get your car serviced, Lincoln will take care of you more than just servicing your car. You are absolutely correct. They will even bring you a vehicle that you can drive around while your vehicle is being serviced. It's part of the Lincoln Pickup and Delivery Program that was launched about a year and a half ago. I love it. Uh, the experience is great. So anybody who wants to test drive that new Navigator with the monochromatic uh, features, including those uh, wheels, are pretty amazing. I have to see if I can find those for my car, too. Uh, you, all you have to do is contact your local Lincoln dealer. Thank you, uh, Katie, for spending some time with us this weekend and telling us about the new Navigator with its new trims. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nick. And everyone have a wonderful day and yeah. your weekend. Thanks, Katie. I will tell you, I've had the Lincoln Navigator out of the fleet several times uh, to test drive, and I adore the size of that vehicle. It is absolutely amazing. I'm just not sure that my five dogs on those luxury leather purple seats, which is what I had in my car, or deep maroon seats, or like a wine color, were a good idea. The cleaning. The cleaning, the dog hair. You do have a uh, lot of dogs. I do, five dogs. And it's uh, when you put them in the back of a Lincoln Navigator, you constantly worry about how they'll damage your uh, your seats in the back. Of Plus, how would Joey get into the Lincoln oh. Navigator? It's too far up <laughs> off the ground. I've got stories about Joey. He's lost two pounds this week. Out you of know? 20 he needs to lose? No, he needs to lose tw uh, 12 pounds and he's lost two. Poor little fat man. He likes the Lincoln Navigator, by the way. My little fat it Joey. looks so sure presidential. All right, we'll me. be back. Uh, coming up, I'll talk about Noah getting the new car. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Welcome back to the show. So buying a car for your teenage child can be super, super painful. Uh, there are a big difference between boys and girls, sensible and unsensible. Um, and the difficulty has been challenged by two of our guests in the studio, Jeff Zerschmidt and Jen, who is not a guest, but... It's a fixture, truck girl, Jen. A fixture. Um, <laughs> and Megan's just about to go through this with her son, Noah. So first of all, uh, Jen, it was longest ago for you buying Stephen a car. What were your challenges? So Stephen's a pretty sensible boy. He's a techie. He's, uh, you know, he, he's in the service uh, for a long time, uh, serving the U.S. and thank him for his service. Thank but you. He, uh, he was probably a kid that wanted to be cool. He actually waited to get his driver's license. Oh. He was one of those kids that didn't get one at 16. You know, he really took his time. And I think he got it like almost eight. He was almost 18 when he got his first car. And uh, then you had to, you bought that first car, right? I did. So tell me some of the discussions that went on. <sighs> um, well, your kids kind of live by example. Right. And so obviously I have a Camaro and my son wanted one really bad. I don't That's, know. I drive a minivan and know it. The last thing he wants is a minivan. Yeah, he he's just he he doesn't want any part of it. Yeah, but you what do you say about your mini van? Horrible things. Yeah, you want to drive it off a cliff? Yes. All right. 
Um, so is he he's living through you then you you want to drive it off a cliff so he yeah doesn't but want man it. we drove a Chrysler Pacifica man that is a nice minivan yeah they are nice it's got minivans. all these crazy amenities and I'm like look Noah you, that's real nice <laughs> Jeff you bought your daughter a Subaru Impreza but Kate's pretty easy to deal with right well, well she is she is and I'm gonna say you guys are all crazy Wranglers and Mustangs and Camaros and stuff <laughs> you buy your kids something cheap so that if they do bang it up it's no big deal all right okay mine was not used. Okay, it was a few years older. And, uh, it was used. Yeah, it was used. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I don't think you buy your kid a And it had a V6, because I knew he was going to... And like Megan, it. you're looking about $15,000. I mean, so first, how much was your, uh, Stephen? <laughs> Five grand. All right. Jeff, how much did you pay for Kate's first car? 1500 bucks. Oh. Okay, so my budget's <laughs> a little higher than that. I told him... <laughs> no, it's getting a $15,000 car. Well, he's, he has saved up some money, so he's paying for part of it. And then I told him just to keep it under 15000 But he'll be paying... told him five. Yeah, he'll be paying yeah. for part of that 15000 So he saved up $3,400. Yes. And then you're adding in the rest to make it up to fifteen. Well, I mean, I don't think we're going to go all the way up to 15. Yeah, you, that's what you think. If you told him 15 is the top, but you know, when you'll you're be ser- paying 16 and a half. When you're searching online, you got to put in like a cap. So yeah. I just told him to look under that. And uh, uh, you've been sending me lots of Mustang pictures of what he wants. He do really you, wants a Mustang. You put your foot down and you said no. No I to did, a Mustang. But he's he's still trying to ne- negotiate it with me. Um, I think the biggest problem is for a Mustang that you it will be the maintenance. Uh, you need a car that will um, if you know, it'll start every time it gets the winter it starts. I'm not sure he's gonna be comfortable in a in a rear wheel drive vehicle if it snows. At well, that's college. what I talked to him about. I was like, it's one thing if you're going to college down in Texas. That's a completely different scenario. But you're right. staying in or or he's going to go to college in Oregon, where the weather is unpredictable at times right and so he has to have the option of an all-wheel drive vehicle um if i told him to only look at all-wheel drive suvs all right and and he keeps coming back with pictures of mustangs yes i sent you that uh, honda accord cross tour and i got to give him some credit because he found the best deal on a mustang i've ever seen oh really yes um but you said no so I what's did. happening are you backing off and getting him a mustang or are you absolutely not going to get him because we're going to follow this story no as i'm just not going to get him one. developing story here i just don't want to pay for the insurance all right so when steven moved to dc that's what he had to do is get an all-wheel drive car yeah that's how he ended up in the in the dodge uh he has a dodge charger all-wheel drive yes which is actually a car i want it's uh, so beautiful it's on my list really i've never okay. driven it you know he only lets me drink water in it that's it Really? <laughs> when do your kids become the boss? I know, right? Well, he bought it brand new off the lot. His first, you know, expensive oh, car. So. And, and does, how does it look? It still looks great. Right. Hey, Nick, think- are we allowed to eat in that car you loaned us? No. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. I've been loaning. Uh, I, Megan's been driving one of my cars uh, until Noah gets his new. So it's going to stimulate me to find a great deal. For I'm driving Noah. your car while he drives the minivan. He's so <laughs> pissed off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> poor boy is upset. So uh, we're going to try and buy him a car this week. Um, we're going to go out and we're going to go to a few dealers and see if we can get uh, get him into a vehicle. Uh, he ha- At the same time, he has to stick to your rules, right? What kind of rules? Well, or we'll drive SUV. Oh yeah. So we we can't deviate. I mean, unless you just found something <laughs> better. I don't no, know. See, this is the trouble. You make rules, you got to stick to them. Maybe if it was a truck. I mean, if I could find a great okay. deal on a truck, I would love to put him in a pickup truck. All right, that's a good idea too. Chevy Silverado. There you go. Yeah. yeah that's a great <laughs> idea. You can't crash those. All right, more to come on our auto expert. <laughs>
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. So I was fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time uh, in Washington, D.C. I, I didn't get to see Stephen. I know, there, bummer. But, uh, to drive the new uh, Cadillac XT6 and Joel Hoffman joining us on the phone from Cadillac to talk about the new XT6. Uh, Joel, this actually, I've seen so many stories about this vehicle. Uh, it's actually making uh, a lot of waves, a lot of news, and people seem to like it. Yeah, we're, we're really pleased, too, with all the stories that are out there, and uh, the reactions seem to be pretty favorable. So um, we're looking forward. The customer feedback we've been getting so far in the early going is real good, and our dealers are happy, so we're very excited about it. Now you just have to sit back and wait for millions of dollars to arrive in your bank account, right? Well, we, yes, <laughs> maybe, but uh, we're going to keep busy working on a few things in the meantime. All right, let's talk a little bit about it. So if people aren't familiar with the X-T6, uh, where does it fit in the lineup of vehicles, and how does it relate to uh, the Escalade, which is, of course, the vehicle that everybody knows as the three-row SUV? Right. So, yeah, in the Cadillac showroom, certainly the Escalade is kind of the icon and has been our, our leader as image and, and other things. Uh, we've also had the XT5, which is a two-row, five-passenger crossover we've had for a couple of years. The XT5 is actually our volume leader as far as sales in the U.S. and in China. And then in, recently we introduced the XT4, which is a little smaller, a little sportier version. But the space we had left in the showroom was that spot you referred to between the Escalade and the XT5. Uh, Escalade, three rows of seats. Uh, XT5 has two. And there's a number of people out there we know that are looking for a three-row crossover, not quite as big as an Escalade, and and those are the customers that we are trying to please with this product. It's not considerably different on the inside from the Escalade, though. It still has plenty of room in three rows, which the Escalade was famous for, right? Right, right. We still have ample room, we think. And one of the things we really went after was room in the third row. We found that in this sort of mid-size crossover as opposed to a full-size like the Escalade, um, there's a number of different offerings, but several of them, when you got in the third row, it really just wasn't all that comfortable for an adult. might be okay for a kid or an occasional just running down the, the local grocery store or something, but we wanted to have something where, yes, it's a third row, and uh, you can use the car the way I do, which is... Uh, we'll go out for an evening or go away for a weekend with two other couples and my wife. So we need three rows of seats, and we don't really feel bad or apologize for having people sit in the third row because there's plenty of room back there. There's so many uh, vehicles out on the market, Joel, that uh, what I call a pub row in the third row, which is it's only really good for going to and from the pub. But in this uh, back row, you sort of take care of everybody. There's not just enough leg room, but there's also the amenities that everybody likes on the inside of a car. Well, yeah, that's right. Our third row, as far as amenities, we, we have plenty of headroom, uh, shoulder room, but we also have cup holders. There's a slot to put your phone. We've got USB chargers on each side so that you can plug your phone in. You have to fight with the guy next to you. You have your own. Um, and, and the seat uh, is fully power actuated, so folding and, and raising it is an easy thing to do. And um, a, a couple other things is, Part of it is the numbers you may see in comparisons, but really what, what we felt it was is what, how does it feel back there? So our quarter glass is relatively large. We have a full sunroof that goes is a panoramic roof. So when you sit back there, it feels pretty open. 
And one other thing we did was we put a lot of acoustics in the car to get it to be quiet. So if you're in the third row and you're an adult and you want to talk with the uh, the other adults in the car, you don't have to yell. You can talk at a conversational level. Well, get your kids back there, you can talk to them without yelling at them. So it, the quietness also led toward something we thought was a, a benefit to a third row customer. I have to tell you that um, the third rows, the things that usually fail on third row, apart from legroom, which is usually the number one thing, which is a failure for third row, is uh, amenities. So there is no, like, an overhead light, or there's no air conditioning gets back there, or there's no power, or there's no cup holders. You guys have taken care of that. Moving into the second row, the, the problem was always getting into the third row. You've taken care of that. And then... Uh, if you sit in the first row, uh, you've also added a whole bunch of technology into the vehicle as well. So you have control over everything in the car in three ways. So you can use your screen. that has a touch screen. You can use your little con- controller uh, in the center, or you can use the steering wheel. You've sort of made it so everybody has a lot of choices too. Yeah, that's right. And, and you hit on the three because um, – Customers are different, right? Some people are very happy with touch screens. They like the immediacy of it. They, they can reach out and, and, and get to whatever they want. But other people are not so happy about that. They can't feel the button or they don't like the fingerprints. And so our, our technology advantage here is we put a controller on the, on the console. We specifically designed the armrest so your hand kind of just falls right to it. And the, the knob both rotates to choose icons on the screen. You can jog or, or sort of jack joystick the feature to go from screen to screen, and then you can use it to select. So we'll find that with a, with a collection of, of hard buttons around it, uh, you can really move around the, the screen and the features quick. And then, of course, to keep the driver's hands on the wheel as, as much as possible, there's volume controls and other screen controls right on the wheel so you can keep your hands while you're driving there. Uh, you're listening to our auto expert on the phone with us, Joel Hoffman. He's from Cadillac. We're talking about the new XT6. Uh, I want to take a quick poll from everybody in the studio. So, what do you guys think? Do you use the touchscreen? Do you use a controller at the, the at your hand, either something like an iDrive or a, a spindle or a pad, or do you use a steering wheel, Megan? Well, I've been driving your car, and it's got that little spinny thing. What do you call yeah. that? The, the controller. The controller, yeah, by the arm. Every every car company calls them different things. I can't put into words how much I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? Give me the touchscreen back. You want touchscreen? Jeff, what do you use mostly? Oh, I'm a touchscreen man all the way. And and Jen? My cars are too old. Are they, <laughs> Jen doesn't have control over anything. You have a shifter and I a gas do. pedal. I do. Oh, did you just do a column? Yes. You have a column shifter in your on column? my trucks, All right, and then you. I have a six-speed on the Ford. Uh, Joel, uh, well, you can, now you can see uh, I'm actually a touchscreen guy, but I'll use the uh, things like the 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 spindle drive in the middle to do things like navigation. So I'll do mm-hmm. I'll do those those type of things, um, but I use touchscreen most of the time. That's what I'm into. I would like a touchscreen. You would? Yeah, I'll vote for that. You don't even have a screen in your car, do you? No. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, Joel, one of the things I love about this, it has the panoramic sunroof in the X-T6, too. Yeah, the panoramic sunroof is standard in every every X-T6. Uh, it really helps the feel of the car and uh, gives you the ventilation you want, but the light that comes in really nice and it's not an option. You get it in every car. Uh, and then the other things, I think, uh, what's under the hood? Because we haven't really talked about that. Do you get multiple engine choices? Are we starting out with one? What's the plan for the amount of power that you can get out of this vehicle? Yeah, we're starting out with one. Uh, we chose uh, V6 as a 3.6 liter, produces 310 foot-pounds of torque, uh, of horsepower, excuse me. 
with uh, 271 foot-pounds of torque, and that's made it to a nine-speed transmission. Uh, you can get it in either an, a front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive uh, drivetrain. And just a note, if you choose the all-wheel drive drivetrain, you can operate it in front-wheel drive mode. So if you're if you want the all-wheel drive for some of the benefits it provides, but you still want the fuel economy or front drive on a long trip or something, you can always put it in front drive mode. But, now, now yeah, Megan, look, look. Megan's looking for a car for her uh, 18-year-old, but her budget is fifteen thousand. I'm guessing we can't get this for under fifteen thousand. Well, not <laughs> brand new. Mitch, you wait a little bit, maybe. Because uh, very much she would like an all-wheel drive vehicle. Do you uh, find that it's sort of above the Mason-Dixon line, everyone goes for all-wheel drive, and below this, the Mason, and for those people that are not familiar with the Mason-Dixon line, that's basically the snow line in the country. Uh, those people below go for uh, rear-wheel drive, or is it that cut and dry, or more people buying uh, buying these vehicles to um, to actually do... performance driving where they'll buy all-wheel drive even if they don't need it for snow? Yeah, I I think there may be some truth that certainly there's more front drive sales uh, the farther south you go. But in general, I think there's there's a number of people that in any of the states will choose the all-wheel drive system because in sort of in my mind, two things. One is it does give you some improved driving dynamics, and we certainly try to do some things with our sport model, particularly in sport mode in the sport model, that really enhances that. But there's also an area, particularly, I think, for these kinds of customers, that they like to have confidence in their car. They like to know it's very capable. And so while they may be in an area that doesn't get a lot of snow, there could be an occasional snowy day or a a rainy surface that they're concerned about, and just having that option to go in the all-wheel drive system bolsters confidence. And that's, that's part of what you want, I think, when you're ordering a luxury car is the confidence that you have that, that you're able to do what you want and feel good about the car that you're in. And I and I would absolutely agree with you, too, on this one. Uh, the I, I guess, were you involved in the development of this vehicle from early on, or did they sort of present you with a final vehicle? No, I, I came in just after the initial concepts were sort of laid out, the basic foundational sizes and those kinds of things. And then I carried it from there through to production. If you had to choose one feature, and I'm not talking about what's on your talking points from Cadillac, but one feature that makes you excited on the inside, what would it be? Um, features on the inside. Well, I, on, on any, any feature in the vehicle, what's the one thing that you know makes you go, oh, I'd own one of these? Yeah, I, I think really it, it's what I find is the, the driving experience. That's really my part of it. I think it's very comfortable. I think it is very quiet, um, but it's not boring. It's not your typical crossover. You know, it carries six or seven people, and it's kind of numb to drive, and, and you know, what's the fun of that? I think we've, we tried very hard to provide some of the isolation that you want, so it feels luxurious, it's quiet, but it's still fun to drive. And I think when I drive it, um, the Honestly, the harder I push it, the more fun it is. You know, it's, you're not going to mistake it for a sports sedan, but I think you would be surprised, and some people would be surprised at, at how well it does actually respond. And, and I really enjoy that. That's something I'm pretty proud of. The driving precision to me was extremely exciting. Um, I didn't expect something with a third row to handle much more like a sports sedan uh, than as it did, and that that to me was quite exciting too. Uh, This vehicle has a a fairly low environmental impact as well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, we, we did pretty well, we think. Um, you got to consider the market, the size of the car, seven passengers, and we're, we're north of 4,000 pounds. But we came in with fuel economy numbers, uh, combined numbers um, in 20 and a highway number of 25. And as you probably know, those are, those are numbers that come off of a specific EPA test. Uh, when I, I actually drove out to where I met you in the Virginias mm-hmm. and, uh, we, on that drive out, we averaged, uh, 29 miles per gallon cruising on the highway at highway speed. So, yeah, I uh, mean, I actually enjoy the fact that automakers now, uh, they sort of underestimate, uh, the, or they, they, you know, they underestimate fuel economy. Uh, it, you seem to get a lot better than the, uh, the official numbers are. And that makes me feel good, especially zero to 60 times, by the way, when an automaker says, oh, you can do it in, in four seconds and I do it in 3.9. That always makes me happier, too. So this has a towing yeah. option. Oh, yeah, you can tow, too, right? Yeah, we can tow to 4,000 pounds if you get the trailering package. That's yep. awesome. All right, price and availability, Joel. Uh, price, if you get the luxury model, starts in around 53,000, and the uh, all-wheel drive sport model is just a little bit more than that, around 58. Um, there is a lot more content that you get in the but you won't get in the too much. And if you're interested, they're at your dealership now. All right, Cadillac.com, Joel Hoffman, Cadillac. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Oh, welcome back to the show. Uh, by the way, if you want to catch up on previous episodes of Our Auto Expert, uh, our website is where you go, ourautoexpert.com, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T.com. You can hear all the past shows. Uh, you can also have, see our automotive videos that appear on TV stations around the country, read inside car stories about your next ride, and you'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. We don't buy it. Well, at least not hard. Uh, that's what I try to tell everybody. Uh, Megan is in the studio, as well as Jeff Zerschmied and Jen, our truck girl, as we have so aptly name her this week. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Subaru. Uh, Jeff, you were recently on the Outback, uh, which is really the only uh, decent sales number wagon in the United States. Well, yeah, you know, the Outback is is a hugely important vehicle for Subaru and for anybody who lives, you know, in, in the in the Pacific Northwest, Northeast, anywhere where they get snow. Um, and uh, and I have to say, Subaru really knocked this one out of the park. Um, the it's the sixth generation of the Outback. They're building on success, and and they just did a great job with this new car. The the things that jump to mind and historically about Outback Outback is the fact that uh, Subaru has had this sort of symmetrical all wheel drive system that can get through any sort of road conditions. Within a point, I mean, it only yeah. has so much ground clearance. I think eleven inches or so of ground clearance, but. What they've also have, and Subaru's number one safety feature, which I find that most people miss, uh, they list this as the number one safety feature is the view. They want you to be able to see everything through the windows so they don't put <laughs> mirrors in the way and yeah. big A, B, or C pillars. They want a big rear window so you can see out of the mirror. Finally, somebody that actually you know doesn't sacrifice the visuals of a vehicle, the greenhouse, mm-hmm. uh, the glass for style, where you can actually – and they're not horribly styled by any means. No, it's a very attractive car. Yeah, attractive car. At the same time, their number one safety feature is visuals. But the thing that jumps out about the new one 
is this giant iPad style screen in it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, most of the uh, models, if you buy the base base trim, you won't get this, but most of them have this big 11 inch uh, tablet style uh, touch screen in the in the center stack and, and it's fabulous. You 360 know, it's, degrees from where Subaru used to be. We used to dog on Subaru for their interiors and now they're winning yeah. awards for their interiors. Yeah, it, uh, and, and I have to correct myself, it's 11.6 inches oh, of tablet. Wanna, it's enormous. That point Did six. you feel like it was too much tablet? No, there's no such thing. Yeah, um, oh, come on, man. It's... Uh, <laughs> It is uh, sound like a mom now. Man. It's it's fabulous when you're using when you're using the navigation. You see enough of the map. You can tell where you are and where you're going and where your next turn is going to be. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the the tablet in it. I didn't find it intrusive at all. Um, you know, another thing you you were talking about the visibility out of the Outback, and that is great. And I would also mention that the Subaru that the Outback is right sized. Um, it's not too big. So for those of us that prefer a smaller vehicle, it's a great size and it's still a midsize inside. So you get plenty of room. Uh, but along with that visibility as a safety issue, uh, you also get Subaru EyeSight, which they have made standard on all trims, all every Outback coming out the door. Now, They're, I am obviously familiar with Subaru EyeSight. Right. But maybe and, those and, who are not familiar with it, you should explain it. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, the EyeSight is is their uh, automatic emergency braking system and, and um, uh, adaptive cruise control. And this is is a wonderful system if you don't if you're looking at your the coffee you just spilled in your lap or something for whatever reason and you miss uh traffic slowing in front of you the uh, eyesight system will automatically uh, engage the brakes for you and subaru told us that uh since they've brought out eyesight they've seen an 85 percent reduction in rear-end crashes so if you have a, a new subaru outback you're not going to be rear-ending anybody and uh, that's uh and that's i think a fabulous uh uh, testimonial to the efficacy of that safety gear. I'd actually so, like to put my dad in the outback, and the reason is that you know he's in an, in, in a CX five right now, but it's a little mm -hmm. bit tall for him. My parents drive an outback, and they yeah. love it, and they're the, the same age as your parents. Did right. you test this out? Did you watch it come to a complete stop? I have done that, not not on this launch in particular, but I have done that before. Megan, with you, an out, you sound with like your uh, it hasn't worked for you. Well, because I went to the dealership a couple of months ago to look at it because Nick had suggested I look at it, and so. I asked them about it, and they said no, that it just beeps at you. It's not going to stop the car. It's not going to do anything. It's just beeps at you, a warning. No, yeah, so I then you look has, back at the road. That that was a misinformed dealer. Yeah, it does that, do full braking. Uh, Eyesight will definitely do that. We we were on one event with Subaru where we were essentially driving at a giant inflatable cube, and the uh, and the Outback as stopped, you do as one does, um, and the Outback stopped for it every single time. Um, okay, that's great to know. I should go back and look at it again. Cause... Maybe a different dealer. I'll, I'll fix you up with a dealer. Yeah, will. that's crazy. <laughs> who will who will know exactly how to do it? Uh, I think the Outback is an excellent choice for a first car, but it probably falls outside Megan's budget of $15,000. Well, yeah. it does. It starts at about 26000 this year, which is a great price for a midsize SUV with the feature set that you're getting. Uh, $26,000 starting price on the Outback is phenomenal. Uh, one more thing to mention, they also brought in the turbocharged 2.4 liter engine as the upgrade option no more six cylinder you once tempted to say v6 but it's not because it's a subaru my dad um, would love that turbo that because... turbo engine is so strong it's so smooth you really ought to try it um and you can get into the turbocharged uh outback models that and this is the the new one um for uh, about mid 30s in a nice megan trim. maybe you should get rid of the minivan 
I should get rid of the minivan. <laughs> you should get an that Outback. That is correct. It would be great for the kids. Yeah. You get all the kids in the in the vehicle plus extra space in the back for the new dog you're just about to buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, would you buy an Outback? Absolutely. Right. And and more than that, I would encourage anybody who who is uh, thinking about that kind of SUV to to uh, test drive the Outback and and to buy it. I think Subaru's just on a roll with this vehicle. There's a reason why it's been their best-selling vehicle. There's a reason why you see them all over the place, you know, in 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 the Northwest, in Colorado, in Minnesota, in New England. Um, and uh, I think they've just built strength upon strength here with this new model. Uh, are they in dealers now already, or we have to wait a little while? I think we have to wait a little while. Uh, do it dealers in September. All right. Well, that's not too long. That's just about a month away. Yeah. Uh, End of probably, the month, really. They probably have uh, test drive versions available in some. They will. It, I mean, shortly, very shortly. If not this week, get your get your uh, reservation in. Nicely equipped. How much? About mid thirties for mid- well equipped. Mid thirties. Uh, mid thirties includes the eyesight. Oh, they all include eyesight. The if you go in and you oh, say, really? "Give me the 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 absolute least base expensive model. one base model," you will get eyesight. Okay, that's phenomenal. All right, we should go test drive it, uh, Megan. Coming up, we're going to talk about the new Audi Q3. You're listening to our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles. More show as we continue. You're listening to our auto expert. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Our Auto Expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. No, I like to say we don't bite, but at least, at least not very hard. You can also catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all those past shows and see our automotive videos, read the inside car stories about your next ride, and you'll find them all at the website there, plus a bunch of other stuff. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, I was on an event with Jeff uh, for the Audi Q3, and I like to mock Audi a little bit because I love Mark Danke, who is the head of PR for Audi. But they uh, they showed us this new car, and they talked about the audience of who was going to buy the Q3. Uh, they talked about the, the craftsmanship, the innovators, the artists. And I always say, Mark, it's like the magician. Look over here. Don't look over here. But actually, the car turned out, or the SUV turned out to be pretty good didn't it Jeff? it did you know it uh i was unsurprised to find that the q3 has grown from the last outgoing version the the new q3 is 3.8 inches longer three of those inches happen between the wheels uh it is three quarters of an inch wider and an inch and a half taller um basically you'll, you'll almost never find a, a new suv that is smaller than the outgoing model people want them big right and uh and the good news is that that audi put all that space really into the passenger compartment. So the new Q3 is roomier than the outgoing one. It looks better than the outgoing one. And uh, it uh, and it offers more tech and more amenities. Do you think that uh, the new excited style, as I'd like to call it, with using the Q8 grille um, in this vehicle and the more bulbous lines and the more sort of aggressive look, it stands out a little bit from its competition, which is fairly oh, it mute. it definitely does. I think I think the Q3 is really one of the best looking from an exterior perspective. And uh, those fender flares that they call quattro blisters, which I just... <laughs> 
I know. Sounds to me something that happened in a sporting accident. Who okayed that? You know, don't touch. They're quattro blisters. Quattro blisters. Doesn't that sound like you were doing something and accidentally you got quattro blisters you didn't expect? It's a terrible name, but it's a uh, but but it's the the actual fender flares that they're talking about are super attractive, and they I think they really give the Q3 a, a sporty. Uh, kind of aspect on the road, and it's it's a car that you would be proud to drive and park anywhere. Um, I I would absolutely agree. The orange color was to me the most exciting. I love the it orange. Some, some flaresun.com. Yeah, something, something, something exciting. Automakers always have interesting names for their colors, but I thought the uh, I thought the nice mid blue was really nice too, and I was glad to see Audi offering some real in your face colors. Because, you know, too often, I think now, like, as we were talking about earlier with the uh, Nautilus, you know, you get monochrome, right? Everybody's like, oh, it's silver, white, or black, you know? Sorry, put me to sleep. What did they Give say? Fifty a- Shades of Grey is actually the Audi colors, not a movie. Right. That's the and joke they always make. Uh, although now, with the Q3, you've got this bright orange. You've got a wonderful blue. So you've got some real colors to choose from. And I and I love that, and I give Audi big props for that. Yeah, I think they a lot of times they've realized that it does help in resale value, but it doesn't help in initial value. Uh, they talk about the craftsmanship in this vehicle and the sort of people buying it. So we sat through a lot of dinners that had sort of award-winning chefs, chefs who have won James Beard Awards, chefs who have their own craft restaurants. They had a lot of drinks that were handcrafted with alcohol made in small branch uh, distilleries around the country. They did this sort of um, special cronuts stop with uh, handmade donuts, which were a Those mixture were between a incredibly good, incredibly high in calories too. Mixture yeah, between yeah. Uh, uh, croissants and donuts. By the way, that's just a whole thing. If you're not familiar with this, wherever you live, you need to find a cronut store. Uh, they make croissants and then deep fry them like donuts so they turn out to be like donuts they are um they are honestly the closest thing to a pharmaceutical drug uh not a pharmaceutical drug i had the key lime pie version of it so did i oh my goodness me i i'm right now i'm on this uh six eight and 16 thing where you only you don't eat until noon every day I'm starving because I haven't eaten, and all I can imagine is a key, uh, key lime <laughs> pie cronut. Sorry, there you go. There diversion. You go. But so they, they, they talk about all of these things, the craftedness of this vehicle, and I always am suspicious when this happens with a car company because it's always like the magician thing where they want you to look over here and look over there. The truth is uh, this is fairly reasonable. Uh, it's... It, the price isn't cheap, though. It's the, it starts at thirty five six ninety five for the the base model, and they have they have two trims of the sort of standard, I guess, standard look because the the other one is the S line, which is a an exterior appearance package, wheels and bumpers and trim and stuff, and there's three trim levels of S line. Uh, and uh, it tops out in the mid 40s. If you add some options and things, you can probably get it north of forty five thousand uh, dollars to buy one of these. But you can get into it. And and here's the best thing: the um, the the base model, the base trim, which we did see there, is is well equipped. It is it is super nice inside, and that's thirty five six ninety five. So for the price of you know your top end of one of the economy brands, you can get into an Audi. And uh, get into that what they call entry premium space. So 
you're going to write a story on this. Where is that going to appear? It's going to appear at the Portland Tribune. So portlandtribune.com and then look for wheels down the right-hand side. Click on wheels. You'll find my review of both the Subaru Outback and the Q3 uh, published there, as well as uh, in the next uh, print edition uh, that includes wheels, which I think is coming out next Thursday. Now, let's talk a little bit about... um the engine in this vehicle because it's the same engine as the golf gti right it is it is um compared to the outgoing q3 um audi's bumped the horsepower by by 20 horsepower or so and up to up 50 in foot pounds of torque i didn't notice a lack in power in this vehicle. it seems to be well balanced there's plenty of power Uh, we thought and and i talked to other journalists who agreed um, the transmission, which is an eight-speed Tiptronic automatic, uh, tended to shift a little rough. It was a little harsh on the upshifts and downshifts, but plenty of engine power. And another thing, every single Q3 is going to be equipped with Audi's Quattro all-wheel drive system. So that base price of thirty-five six ninety-five gets you all-wheel drive, which it doesn't in a lot of SUVs. The second generation of the Q3, right? The first one was five years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the new, it's a 2019. They're doing a short production year for 2019. So the brand new, all new Audi Q3. I I know Audis do better in the second second cycle. Is a 2019, yeah. So the first cycle sometimes are a little bit lumpy of vehicles for Audi. Uh, The all-road was a perfect example of that amazing vehicle. Uh, Transmission wasn't great in the first cycle. But the second uh, the second version of the All Road is actually hitting it out of the park, and I think yeah. I don't think there was any issues with the first Q3. Um, Audi, known for their tech, their luxury, and their and those sort of things in uh, the vehicles, the mm-hmm. tech is pretty outstanding in this Q3, right? It is. It is. Uh, depending on the trim you buy, you you get an 8.8 inch. Um, screen or a 10.1 and you get a digital dash and there are two versions of the digital dash one of them shows your gauges and everything just in video display and then the other one is the Audi virtual cockpit in the higher trim levels and the virtual cockpit is just fantastic you can you can have it display the uh, navigation map for you Um, you can uh, configure it to your liking. So the the tech story, I think if you if you like tech, you like dashboard tech. Um, Audi's going to please you with the new Q3. Uh, when I sat down with uh, Andrew, the Audi uh, spokesperson for the vehicle, one of the things that he was most excited about to show me in the new Q3 was the fact that it has this rotary dial in the center of the MMI dial, and then you can write on the MMI dial. Um, yes. whatever you want it to search and writing on that MMI dial with your handwriting you can put the letters on top of each other you don't have to do it yeah. in a line which and you can do it on the screen you can also do that on the yeah. touch screen yeah, yeah. so we you can write that. hotel and just you know the letters on top of each other so you don't really have to look at the screen you could be driving along looking at the road put your hand on the screen type you know write out the word in in scroll mm-hmm. and it will recognize what you're writing and then do sort of an internet search on that which it, was super useful. And the other thing about the internet search that I really liked about this is, apart from the fact it will go out and do an internet search, it also looks at your history of what you, where you've been and what you've been doing mm-hmm. and goes, hey, uh, he's writing hotel on the screen. Let's look at the hotels that he visited. So that's another thing he does. Starting yeah. price of this Audi is? $35,695. All right. We'll, uh, we'll have to test drive a little more in the fleet. Coming up, we're going to talk to Anton Woolman, our crazy independent investor and analyst, about what's going on with Tesla in China. That's coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. 
Welcome back to the show, our auto expert. Uh, thank you, by the way, for all of your reviews, uh, Jeff. And you can also read Jeff's stuff at the Portland Tribune uh, newspaper. As he said, wheels on the right-hand side. And uh, Megan, who's been here for the whole show. Uh, Megan, what's your website? Where do, you, where do we find you? It's mommytravels.net. Mommytravels.net is where... Uh, Megan is mummytravels.net and uh, Megan do you you do a lot of car reviews as well as travel reviews I do yeah I mean I mean it kind of goes hand in hand if you're road tripping or traveling road, road <laughs> tripping um, I, I love the stories about your uh, road tripping especially your kids you torture them somewhat don't you well maybe a little Jonah and I just road tripped around Canada not too long ago in a little tiny Chevy I'm trying to remember what it was called tracks no uh, Sonic? Sonic? Yes, I think so. <laughs> for great, for a car person, she got it right, Sonic. I uh, liked it. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you went on a great truck experience with Chevy, too. Oh, my gosh. We went on the most amazing experience with Chevy. We drove a Chevy Silverado around L.A., which is, you know. Challenging. I wasn't sure how it was going to be. It was actually completely fine. So, And our route took us through all different cities and yeah, so I drove in pretty much every type of circumstance you can get yourself into in the greater Los Angeles area. And we can read that at mommytravels.net. I haven't published it yet, but Jonah got to do batting practice on the Angels Stadium field. Um, oh, well, that's fun. I saw some pictures of him, uh, you know, batting practice. So yeah, Chevy apparently sponsors Major League Baseball, so... It was um, a whole baseball experience. Jonah is, uh, he's probably going to need a car to get his baseball bats in, by the way, when he gets. Uh, Eventually. He's yeah. only 12. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, you're still taking him to batting practice. Oh, wait, Eden, your daughter just got her driver's license. I saw you post that online. Her permit. We're a little oh, behind. Oh, her permit. Yeah. All right. So you've got scary two kids in the family now going to be driving cars. She passed that permit test so fast I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she's a bit of a brainiac. I was like, oh, did you fail? She's like, Wait, no, this I'm is done. the daughter that wrote a novel already. Yes. <laughs> she, how old is she? She's 15. She wrote a novel and she's 15. But it's interesting because I'm like, well, what kind of car do you want? And she could care less. Oh, that's not good. I know. <laughs> you need to educate her a little more. She's got to have more opinions. Well, we're in about so cars. many cars, you would think that she would have an opinion, you know. I was thinking the Jetta for her. I think that would be a good car. But then I recently drove the um, the Kia Forte. I think uh-huh. that would be a good car. Kia Fortes too. Uh, Kia sell uh, lots of the Fortes because they're so reasonably priced. So. Oh yeah, they are reasonably priced. All right. Uh, joining us on the phone is uh, our guest. He joins us every single week to talk about exactly what's going on as far as uh, cars are concerned, especially electrics and uh, the car business. Anton Woolman. So Anton, uh, Tesla uh, now making some big announcements about China. Oh yes, uh, no. The uh, uh, the fact that there is nearing completion. Uh, going. Uh, started there probably at the end of the year. The question is just uh, whether they will be, be making the whole car, whether they will be relying on all of these sub-assemblies from uh, stamping to body shop and the paint shop and so forth, because, of course, those things will take a lot longer time to prepare. So, But somehow they will be assembling something there before uh, the end of the year. Uh, to the ground, the last time we sent somebody down to the uh, the factory where it was supposed to be, there had not been a single shovel turned in the ground. So it sounds like they've come quite a long way in a short time. And it's a, as a matter of just simply construction, 
this thing has uh, proceeded enormously quickly. I mean, this thing was a pile of dirt on January 1st, and now we're at the beginning of August, and uh, there's actually a building there, and they're outfitting the interior. I mean, this is... Uh, faster than any construction we have seen since the Manhattan Project in uh, 1942. And it's not a tent, though, like it was in Fremont. No, no. They have uh, apparently more money to spend over there in uh, China, so there is uh, no tent. On the other hand, the company uh, was able to get financing about $500 million from local uh, banks over there, uh, although they promised to pay the Chinese government about uh, $320 million in annual taxes for this starting in 2023, which is uh, not a small deal in the big scheme of things, to be sure. Are Tesla going to make a profit in China, or is it still a loss-making venture for them? Well, clearly, uh, the, this uh, factory, they say, is meant to produce about 150,000 cars, and it's very hard to separate out the profitability of that because that development cost was, of course, paid for already uh, already in, in, in the U.S. with the development of the Model 3 that they've been producing now for right about two years. So um, uh, it's very hard to separate that out, but if you're looking at the, num- the, the amount of money they have to pay in taxes per car sold when they reach production. I think it runs just over $2,000 per car. That is pretty significant. Uh, Stand by, Anton. Let's take a quick break for the news. When we come back, I want to pick up the conversation about Tesla in China and their first factory. Plus, I also want to look at some of the other key stories that are going on in the automotive news and the electric news. That's as Our Auto Expert continues. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Anton Warman still on the phone with us. We're talking about Tesla in China and the fact that the new factory goes in. Anton, what vehicles are scheduled to be made in China, and will they be adding vehicles different from their factory in California? Oh, 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 oh. Did we lose Anton? Anton, are you there? Yes, hello. Right, so, yeah, what, what vehicles are scheduled to be made in China, and what vehicles, uh, will that be any different from the vehicles that they make in California? Well, uh, for starters, uh, Tesla will be making one version of their vehicles in China uh, for the first uh, year or so. That is the base version of the Model 3. So not if you want the performance version and not if you want the all-wheel drive version and not if you want the one with the longest battery range, but essentially the one that has rear-wheel drive only, the slightly smaller battery version, and uh, doesn't have the performance package. So... That's the one that they will be starting manufacturing in China and then uh, toward the end of 2020 or sometime in 2021, they plan also adding the uh, Model Y. So they will start making the Model Y in the second half of 2020 at their plant in Fremont, California. And then within a year thereafter or so, they plan on taking that expertise and applying it to their uh, new Chinese factory. Let me ask you this, because uh, something that's been occurring now with the price drops in the Model 3 in the United States, initially, you know, they were fairly expensive and you, expensive. You can only get the sort of top end versions. Now there are other versions coming down. And because they have expired their federal government credit, Tesla has now been reducing the price of the vehicle to be more competitive. But uh, I've come up against some interesting uh, things that you predicted at the beginning of that scenario happening and that is now actually a 
occurring. Uh, I have a friend who had bought a Tesla Model 3 and had paid somewhere between sixty and seventy thousand dollars for the vehicle. With the price reductions, he still owes about sixty thousand dollars on the vehicle. With the price reductions on that top end vehicle coming down, he has found that he is actually five thousand dollars upside down within six months on that vehicle. So he can't sell that vehicle for anything more than about fifty-five thousand dollars in a private sale. Dealers offering him forty-eight thousand dollars for that Tesla Model 3 in the first six months, which would put him around twelve thousand dollars in the hole. The price reductions in these Model 3s is actually upsetting uh, people who already own the vehicles. Uh, Is there going to start to be a revolt because they're seeing the devaluation of their Teslas? Well, Nick, you clearly have not listened to Elon Musk because he has not promised on multiple occasions in writing and in speeches and on his annual meeting for shareholders in June and at numerous occasions starting on April 22nd that Teslas do not depreciate. These are appreciating assets, and by the end of 2020, a Tesla will be worth approximately $200,000. That is his promise to his customers. So all this talk you've been hearing about depreciating Teslas must clearly come out of thin air because that cannot be the case. Elon cannot be wrong on this. Okay, well, the facts may uh, outstrip the promised reality of what uh, he said. Um, I know that Megan... Well, I would, Nick, I will tell you what, one more thing that just happened here. This is uh, hot off the press in just the recent hours. Uh, he has reintroduced, however, a new incentive. Forget the Model 3, but for the Model S and the Model X. Uh, as of today, you do get unlimited lifetime free supercharging if you buy a Model S and Model X now. So this is clearly a sign of demand being extremely strong because why otherwise would you offer such a tremendous incentive to all of your buyers? Does Mercedes offer free gasoline for life if you buy a new Mercedes? I don't think so. Clearly Mercedes must be in trouble. Wait, wait. I. What happens... If you're in the window of buying a new Model X between when free supercharging was available versus now when it's available again, if you fell into that middle gap where you bought a new Model X or Model S and you didn't get free supercharging for life, is this another reason to go grab your pitchfork? Uh, No, because then you can always fall back on Elon's distinct promise that your Tesla will nevertheless be worth at least approximately $200,000 by the end of next year. This is, never forget, an appreciating asset now. That is his sole solemn promise to all of his customers. And sometimes you may or may not have to live with such an appreciating asset with or without uh, free supercharging for life. That is just a minor detail. I will tell you, I will make a stand right now on our auto expert and say that I believe Elon Musk is a liar and that these will not be true, that his promise that my Model 3 will be worth four times what it is today in just a year's time, I believe it's not true. Do do you agree with me, Anton? Well, you have to realize that uh, if this does not come to pass, in retrospect, these will be reclassified as hopes and aims, and that sometimes in life, hopes and aims do not equate to um, uh, to actual results. You know, there was a time in my younger life when I was hoping to run a quarter mile in two minutes, and a friend of mine in college 
used to have a, an aim of getting it together with a, a certain female that he saw in Playboy magazine. It just didn't work out. It just never happened. But, you know, there was always the hope and aim, and sometimes the reality does not match it, uh, sadly, over time. Uh, so at this point, were they, uh, are they promises? Or I'm so confused about what reality is. I mean, does anybody actually believe anything that comes out of Elon's mouth? Well, uh, for to be serious for a moment, of course, nobody believes any of this stuff. But uh, this is what he has uh, said, starting on April 22nd on the Autonomy Investor Day that was held at the company's headquarters. It was restated again on April 24th at the um, first quarter financial results call, again in early June at the annual shareholder meeting, and in subsequent uh, tweets that he has been doing here just within the last 30 days. So... Um, he keeps saying it. Nobody seems to be really believing it, but uh, this will be an interesting race against time between now and the end of 2020, when I think a lot of people may end up having quite a bit of fun with uh, these promises. Uh, Megan, you did the road trip in a Tesla. Do you? Uh, is it just Anton and I that are skeptical about the truth out of Elon's mouth, or do you believe the rhetoric? Do I believe the rhetoric? No, not necessarily. I can say that teenagers love Elon Musk. They all follow him on Twitter. They love him. Really? Yes. Your teenagers do? Yeah, even mine, yeah. So it's only those of us of a mature disposition that may not believe. But, but with that said, I like the Tesla. We did a Tesla Model 3 road trip through Southern Oregon, and it was awesome. Like, I love that car. Again, the, the vehicles themselves uh, are exciting to drive. They have a lot of thrills, but unfortunately, well, the business plan, the financial plan, the other, you know, the, it starts to fall apart at some point. But so Oregon is unique. Well, probably the West Coast is unique because they've got the superchargers. So you can take a Tesla on a road trip through Oregon all the way down through the entire state because to of California. the superchargers, yeah. Well, from but, Washington to California, I mean, probably from Mexico, from Canada to Mexico. Yeah, probably. So, But what was really cool is they have these roaming technicians. We were in Grants Pass, Oregon, which is just a kind of a random town in southern Oregon. And they have this roaming technician appeared while we were charging the Tesla and repaired the car for free. The question is, I, I can't what's wrong with it? Yes, I exactly. I so Anton's going where what? I'm going. It's like, why did you what? need a roaming no. technician? I can't, re I can't remember what was wrong with it. It was something super minor. I mean, it was like a nothing kind of fix, but so still. How did he know something was wrong with it? I mean, like they were. So it was not a complete I, heart attack. I, I, have, I have no idea, but. Partial heart attack. But I mean, it was basically a nurse instead of a doctor that showed up. That just you just needed a slight massage to get the ball on the road again. And I thought it was amazing. Forward. So I, I mean, it's nice that you have a roaming technician that shows up. It was free. You're right, but you need a roaming technician to show up and fix things. That's the funny thing about it. I don't know. I mean, if you've been driving a a Toyota, would you need a roaming technician to come and fix it? I don't know, but I thought it was really cool. <laughs> Uh, Anton, let's turn our eyes to uh, Europe and uh, the recent heat wave uh, sales of vehicles seem to be uh, uh, on the change. Well, what's going on is quite something interesting. And it's an inconvenient fact that you have to just appreciate a little bit of the sarcasm and humor in this. But what has been the major change in the automotive landscape in Europe over the last to 12 months it's been the sharp increase oh. and an enormous increase led by 
the um, Tesla Model of course, which started uh, deliveries to Europe back in January and recently uh, ramped up in February and March and continues to this moment. And uh, what was the result of all of this? Well, we have apparently a bit of a heat wave in Europe for the summer. So for all those people who claim that it is gasoline and diesel cars that are causing this, which is absurd, we can particularly follow the fact that sales of gasoline and diesel cars so far in Europe this year are down 3% compared to the year prior, whereas the sale of um, electric cars are up about 4%. So... Now, obviously, this is all um, in humor, and uh, none of this causes anything, but, but my point is simply this. Uh, there's the only evidence that exists, the only evidence that exists is that I've seen a huge increase in the electric cars, sale of gasoline and diesel cars are down, and what do we have? We have warm temperatures. So for those who claim to offer the case, I think it's just caused uh, to have a slightly greater huge in this so their argument but a little evidence that we have which may be completely irrelevant uh, proves only the precise opposite i mean oh. where are they having this heat wave every time i'm in europe in the summer i am sweating to death it is super hot in the summer over there it, well it's been over 100 degrees in europe okay that's summer, hotter so, than so okay it's it's been uh, i was in munich uh, about a month ago and it was 97 degrees in the day which wow was, uh, okay when i was in munich it was the dead of summer it was july and we were right. wearing like raincoats and jeans. It was it was not warm. Yeah, your your timing for your vacations, Megan, needs so you should consult a travel expert and get some better weather. I know one. <laughs> uh, Usually, you know, Europeans, especially up north, they tend to take about four weeks off in July or August and uh, fly down to Spain, Portugal, southern Italy or Greece or any of the various islands there, Crete or Rhodes. Uh, why? Because they like it hot suddenly it got so warm that they didn't feel a need to go down south anymore, apparently. And now they're complaining that they're saving some money and not having to uh, spend uh, all their uh, travel budget traveling down south for their four-week vacation. I really don't see the problem here. I, yeah, me, I, me neither. I'm hoping they drop the prices in Greece and then <laughs> I can go back. There you go. That's a good one. Anton, where can we read your stuff? Primarily at SeekingAlpha.com and also on TheStreet.com. Excellent. Anton Warman, he is our resident. Uh, I would like to call him sometimes nerd, but he is a specialist in, uh, in independent investment and analyst of what's going on in the auto industry, especially with Tesla and electric cars. Uh, Megan, where can we read your stuff? At mommytravels.net. And you have all your articles and lots of pictures and me and you uh, facing some llamas. Oh, God, the llamas. <laughs> and Jeff? Jeff, uh, portlandtribune.com. Uh, look for the wheels link on the right-hand side, and you'll find all of my reviews and my colleague Jim Redden as well. All right, and, and quite regularly you can get to read some of your stuff at Digital Trends. And yeah, I'm stuff. also at digitaltrends.com. Uh, you can find me there. All right, we, of course, have all the versions of this show. So you can catch up with those previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside car stories about your next ride. You'll find them at ourautoexpert.com. Also, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. We don't bite, at least not very hard. We'll be happy to converse with you. And, uh, Jen, you can... Uh, See all of our social media stuff there and lots of pictures of all of us on the website. You get to see what everybody looks like, except Megan, because she hasn't sent me a picture yet. We'll see you again next week. I didn't know you wanted a picture. <laughs>